Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. Today's message is Jesus died for a reason. He really did. He died for a reason. Reading to you from the book of Luke, chapter number 23, beginning at verse 13. Then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers and the people, said to them, You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, I have examined him in your presence. I have found no fault in this man concerning the things of which you accuse him. No, neither did Herod, for I sent you back to him. And indeed, nothing is deserving of death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him, for it was necessary for him to release one to them at the feast. And they all cried out at once, saying, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas, who had been thrown in prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them. But they shouted, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! And then he said to them the third time, Why? What evil has he done? I have found... No reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. They were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. The voices of those men and the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. Jesus died for a reason. I feel through the Holy Ghost there are some people here today that are searching for that reason. And before you leave today, you have the opportunity to find out why. Let's pray one more time. Thank you, Lord. Amen. For giving your life. And for those of us that know it, Lord, may it be refreshed in our spirits today. There are those here, amen, that are hungry for God. And they've come here for answers. And I pray here today, amen, that answers would come. They would walk out of here being renewed and made alive for the reason of your sufferings, the reason of your burial, and the reason of your resurrection. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We sang earlier about being a child of God. Just before you're seated, turn to somebody and say, I'm Ben Elohim. Tell somebody, I'm Ben Elohim. You just spoke Hebrew and you said, I'm a son of God. I am a son of God. God bless you. Please be seated. In Revelation, the Lord is known as many things. He who was, is, and is to come. He's called the Alpha and the Omega. Many names prophetically, and he is also known as the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. You notice it doesn't say up on a hill somewhere, or up in a tall building somewhere, or here or there, but in heaven, 
the place where the Lord suffered, bled, and died in heaven. It is known as the foundation of the world, meaning in heaven, when it looks at all of the things that God has, has accomplished, will accomplish, is doing here right now, all of it is set upon a foundation, and that is the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know here in a few weeks we're going to celebrate Pentecost, and I love Pentecost, and the Holy Ghost is going to fall, and people are going to fall out talking in tongues, praise the Lord. And that may even happen here today. That would be all right on a Resurrection Sunday. But can I tell you this? If it wasn't for Calvary, there would never have been a Pentecost. I love the church of the living God. I love to know that even though the Lord is up in heaven, his spirit is still here among us. But can I tell you this? If it weren't for Calvary, the foundation of it, we wouldn't have the life church of Kansas City. I love Bible prophecy. I love, amen, the hope that we have one day when the Lord returns and takes us all to heaven. But let me tell you this, that is in the future. And we wouldn't have that hope in that future if it wasn't for what Jesus did on that cross and on Calvary. That's why we take time to celebrate it today and thank him for his life and thank him for his broken body and thank him for the blood that he shed because if it wasn't for Calvary, I couldn't have been baptized. If it wasn't for Calvary, I couldn't have been filled with the Spirit. If it wasn't for Calvary, I couldn't have been healed. If it wasn't for Calvary, I couldn't have had deliverance. It's the foundation of it all. It's the beginning of it all. Anybody thankful for a good beginning and a good foundation, amen, in your walk with God? Amen. Our theme this year is building a new Testament church. And we're focusing on five major aspects of being the New Testament church to go into all the world, into all of Kansas City and the surrounding cities by doing five major things. That is giving God five. We give Bible studies. We give prayers on location. We give spiritual conversations. We give social invitations. And we give acts of service. Our bishop heard from God when he presented this theme to us. And I saw it in the word of God this week. The Lord gave the world these five things even while he was on the cross. He gave the world a Bible study as he hung on that cross. He was quoting Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They pierced my hands. They divided my garments. And they even cast lots for my vesture. Even on that cross while he was suffering and dying, he prayed right there on location. He prayed for those that put him on that cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. A prayer on location. He even had a spiritual conversation with his mother. He said, behold, your son. And he gave a social invitation to a thief on a cross next to him. He said unto him, this day you will be with me in paradise. And he gave an act of service for all the world. He cried out with a loud voice, 
Understand this, nobody took the Lord's life. No, he gave his life. He yielded up his spirit as an act of service to save the world. And through these five things this year, I'm already seeing the results of it. We're following in the footsteps of our Lord and giving people the word of God, the best thing we can ever give them. Prayers on location, spiritual conversations, social invitations, and acts of service. We give these things because the Lord gave them to us. And we long to see him in heaven one day and bring as many people as we can into the heavens with him. Praise the Lord. Jesus died for a great reason. So many great reasons. I think one of the greatest struggles of our generation right now is to find a reason for living. Especially young men having a hard time finding the meaning of life and even having a hard time to find the qualities of being able to live a life with meaning. And I've come to tell you today, if you have Jesus, you have the greatest meaning that you could ever have. The greatest one. People are struggling today. I met some of them. Finding a reason to exist. And I tell you this, the reason for this is nothing so much that you've done or your own fault, but something that has befallen upon all mankind, and that is sin. You and I were not born sinners, for the sins of the father and mother do not pass unto the children. But being born into sin, it's only a matter of time before sin overtakes you. Sin has taken away mankind's true meaning. Sin has taken away our true reasoning for existence. And because of this, so many have tried to find a meaning. They run to addictions. They run to immorality. And they run to ending even their own life. I remember in 2017, General Conference was here in Kansas City. And on the way home on Friday night, there was traffic backed up on I-70 going west. And I remember wondering why in the world at 11 p.m. at night is there traffic for miles and miles. And I got the phone call just a few hours later. A teenage boy associated with this church had been shot. tragically killed. And you know what? For no good reason. It was senseless. And the report said he simply looked at another young man in a way he did not like, and he drew down on him and ended his life. That's how so many feel about life. No meaning, no reason, no existence. Doesn't matter if I live. Doesn't matter if I die. Who cares? That's the type of world that Jesus came to bring meaning to. It's the type of the world that the Lord came to bring a definition to by giving his own life for it. Praise God. Ever since the beginning of creation, we have been looking for reasons to exist, reasons to live, and a very good reason to die. Very good reasoning for even other things to die in our place. The Bible says that Adam and Eve came to a tree that God said, do not eat of it a tree of knowledge of good and evil. God said, I don't want you to eat of that tree because it was never meant for us to understand how good and evil can be present at the same time. But there was a serpent hanging up in there in that tree that deceived them, questioning them, making them doubt the very word of God hanging up there in that tree. You know what Satan was trying to do there as a serpent in the tree? He was trying 
to take the very image of Jesus on the cross. A serpent up in a tree. Satan has never been creative with anything in his life. But over and over, he has tried to counterfeit everything that Jesus has in store for us. Can I tell you this? The greatest thing on any tree, it was not that serpent in the tree, for it didn't bring life, but that serpent in the tree brought us death. But the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, as he died, brought us truth, and he brought us life. And you may have a serpent appearing in the tree of your life today. I've come to tell you, don't listen to his words. It's a lie. Don't listen to his sayings. It's a lie. But you can believe the truth of the living God. It'll bring you life. It'll bring you hope. It'll bring you faith. It'll bring you joy. I've come to tell you, get back to the word of God and find true meaning for here today. Praise the Lord. But mankind sinned. And the price had to be paid, but it wasn't time for the Lord to get on a tree yet. So instead, God himself killed a beast and clothed them with the skin of that animal. That animal didn't take a bite of that tree. That animal didn't have anything to do with the sin that happened there. But their sin was put right upon that animal. Whatever it was, the sin of eating of the tree was put on that animal, and it died for a reason. It died so Adam and Eve could live on. One day God wakes up Abraham, and he says, Take your son, your only son, the one who you love, and take him up to a hill and offer him. So Abraham wakes up his son and says, It's time to go sacrifice. Little Isaac, his son, is walking up holding wood in his hand. And Abraham takes that wood and puts it on the altar, and he puts Isaac there upon the altar, about to offer his son for his sin, for the sins of his family. You know, Abraham got away from the word of God. God said, I promised you a son with you and your wife, Sarah. And Abraham took matters into his own hands with Hagar. There was sin there. There was disobedience there. And God demanded a sacrifice. And Abraham, just as he's about to give the sacrifice that God called for, the voice of the Lord stopped him and said, don't do it. You've passed the test. And he looked over there in the thorns, in the thicket, there was a ram. God said, I provided for you a sacrifice. A ram that did not obey or did not disobey the voice of God. A ram who had nothing to do with Hagar, had nothing to do with the disobedience. But Abraham's sin and the sin of his family was put there right on that ram in that moment, and that ram was slain for the sins of Abraham in his household. That's what you really have in the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew no sin, but he took our sins upon himself so that you and I could go free. Jesus is standing amongst the crowd while John, the baptizer, is preaching. And he looks and sees Jesus coming down, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. You know, John was a priest, and he's performing a priestly duty right there, the introduction of Messiah for the world. We don't have time to get into it, but just understand this. In the Old Testament, in order for you to have redemption of sins, something had to die. Blood had to be shed. And what would happen is they would bring the priest in, and the priest would speak over that animal, that lamb, that goat. 
and say the sins of the people, and he would name the sins. He would say, those sins, leave them and are on you now. And he would lay hands on that animal and pronounce a, a transference of sin upon that animal, and then they would offer it upon an altar, and that's how they received forgiveness of sins. The pronouncement of the sins of the people upon an innocent animal that had nothing to do with sin, they would lay hands on that animal and then offer it. You think about that. I know some of you probably got a little dog or a little cat. What if to atone for your sins, you had to bring that, and Bishop and I had to offer it right here on this altar, and that's how you got forgiven. Now, some of you laughed. Some of you went, oh, God. But that's how they did it back then. That's how you got to heaven. That's how you got right with the Lord. Something had to die in your place. And that is what John is doing there. You notice he doesn't say, here comes the king. Here comes the Messiah. No, he said, look, we've got the lamb from God, which is going to take away the sins of the world. And what does he do? He puts his hands upon him and puts him down in the water, as it were, signifying death and bringing him up. You know what happened? The sins of all the world fell on the Lord Jesus Christ right there at that moment. And he was able to absorb anybody's sin who would believe in him. Praise Praise the Lord. He walked into a pool one day and many people were laying there hoping to get in and some angel or something, it was probably a pagan temple, an angel from a a pagan, the pagan world would come down and heal the people. And a lame man was laying there and the Lord came up to him and forgave him of his sins. This even happened in a house. One day it was so crowded that the people brought a lame man to him and they broke up the roof and, and let him down right there in front of Jesus. And you know what he said to him? Your sins are forgiven to you. They brought a woman caught in adultery in the very act right in front of him. And you know what he just said to her? I don't condemn you. Your sins are forgiven. Why was he able to do that? Because he was the Lamb of God. And John laid his hands upon him, not only for the people back then, but for you and I today. Your sin was put upon Jesus. Praise the Lord. Jesus preached, he taught, he forgave sin, and he was drawing crowds unlike any other preacher or teacher would was able to do in his day. And the chief priests, the elders of the land became so jealous of him and fearing that his movement would take away their power and their kingdom, they plotted together to kill him. They sure did. They accused him of so much. The Bible says that Caiaphas, the high priest, even prophesied before they came and found Jesus. They said, Caiaphas, the high priest, that it is expedient for us that only one should die for the people, that a whole nation should perish. You know what he was doing? He was speaking the words of the sins of the people upon Jesus. And they find him in the garden, and what do they do? Lay hands on him. You know what had happened in that moment? Not only did John the priest, his transference of the sins of the world upon Jesus worked, but then the high priest Caiaphas himself, speaking the sins of Jesus Christ, the sins of the world upon Jesus Christ, and laying hands upon him. Everything that the law had spoken in the Levitical law for sins to be transferred upon an innocent party had happened, and the stage was set. The reasoning for his death 
is being unfolded. They took Jesus and took him to Pilate. And they accused him of many things. They said to Pilate, this man is a criminal. This man is also a perverter of the nation. This man has also tried to escape taxes and convinced his followers not to pay taxes. And this man is also a traitor, and he wants to be a king raised up by the people. And Pilate thought those are very serious crimes, and if one breaks them according to Roman law, they have to be killed. You can't be a criminal in the Roman Empire. You can't pervert the great Roman nation. You have to pay Roman taxes, and you certainly can't rise up to be a king above Caesar. And Pilate interrogated the Lord, and he found out that the things that they accused him of, Jesus didn't do any of those things, but rather Jesus taught the exact opposite. He taught his followers, pay taxes to Caesar. Jesus himself even paid taxes. Matter of fact, he endorsed Roman law that if they say go one mile, said Jesus said go one mile, you might as well go even two. If a Roman soldier is without clothing and he says, give me your clothing by law, a Jew had to give him the clothing. Jesus said, don't only give him your outer garment, but give him the inner garment. Get everything you can to your enemies. And even at one point, they wanted to make Jesus king. He could have arose and been a greater authority than Pilate. The Bible says Jesus would often escape through the midst of them anytime they wanted to do that. You know what Pilate found out? He's not a criminal. He's doing nothing to hinder what Rome is trying to do. And he said to them, I find no fault in this man. Oh, he was right on that. There was no fault in this man. He said he's not deserving of death. Pilate was absolutely correct in that. For Jesus Christ had broken no Roman law. Jesus was innocent. And Pilate knew that the Lord was a man of peace. He was submitted to government. And even Pilate, his wife, had a dream about the man, Jesus, and warned him, don't have anything to do with the death of this man. Pilate knew there was something there going on, but he feared the people. And because of his fear and trying to stop a rebellion and an uprising, he ordered the death of the Lord. But before he made it happen, he realized that it's Passover week. And he said to them, there is a custom among you. I could release one unto you. Bring us out, Barabbas. And they brought out Barabbas. Barabbas is an interesting character. He was a zealot. According to history, these zealots were freedom fighters. They hated Rome, wanted to kick Rome out of their land. Zealot actually means one who holds a dagger, and they would usually have concealed a weapon under their garment, and it was not uncommon for them to lay by the roadside and wait for a Roman army to come by and slay them all with a dagger. According to Roman history, Barabbas murdered a Sadducee who was coming out of a Roman bathhouse. He didn't like the idea of a Sadducee being a hypocrite, and he killed him right there in the streets, and that is why he was thrown in prison. So Pilate listens to their accusations about Jesus. He's a criminal. He perverts the nation. He doesn't pay taxes, and he's a traitor. Pilate says, you think that's what Jesus did? Let me bring you out somebody who has been found guilty of that on death row. He brings out Barabbas, a murderer, a man who wants to bring everything down, somebody who doesn't believe in paying taxes to Rome. And he says, here is your man. And they said, no, not that man, but Jesus. Crucify him. Crucify him. You know what happens? Pilate lets Barabbas go. You know what Jesus did? He died for the sins of Barabbas. 
Barabbas' sins fell upon him. And the Lord became the criminal. The Lord became the tax evader. The Lord became the rebel. He was led out carrying a wooden cross, just like Isaac did up a hill. And instead of a ram being caught in the thorn, what is around Jesus said? A crown of thorns. And he's there on that cross, having no sin in his life. The only sin that Jesus ever had was you and I's sins. And he became our sins on that cross. And through his death, somebody paid the penalty for the sins of the world. You know what's going on there? The reason for the Lord's death? The reason is, is so the guilty can go free. The reason is, is for the condemned to go free. It's for those that are bound by sin and have no meaning in their life. He's on that cross for you to go free, for you to escape, and for you to get out of it. And that is the message of the day of resurrection. That everybody has a chance to make it. That everybody has a chance to go free. I remember when I was a senior in high school, I love to study now, but I had trouble in school. I was the type of guy that did cartwheels if I got a C- minus down the hall. But I aced one test in my life. I was a senior in high school. It was my English class. And I studied so hard for the test. I remember I tried to get all the nouns right, the verbs right, the prepositions, the this and the that. And I studied so hard for the test, and the teacher passed out the test. And I was ready, you know, for 100 questions, but to my shock, there was only one question on that test. And I looked around, and everybody else got the same paper. I thought, is this a mistake? You know, did the copier switch paper? What, what happened here? And I looked around, and everybody got the same paper. One question. You know what the question was? Why? Question mark. I turned the paper over. I thought, is this it? And the teacher said, yep, that's it. That's your test. And I didn't cheat, but I kind of out the corner of my eye, I looked around. What is everybody else writing? I was ready for sentences. And, but, I mean, everybody was just writing away at their answers. And I looked at it, and I thought, I don't remember reading about this. I don't remember this being in any of the grammar. What am I going to do? Oh, no, is right. And when I was 18 years old, I could be a little bit of a smart aleck. And that smart aleck Justin came on there, and I thought, I don't know what to write. So I just wrote, why not? I thought I'm going to be happy to get a D plus this year. The teacher got up later that week and said, I have all of your tests. And some of you, I'm sure, thought this test was rather interesting and curious. But uh, I don't know. I just wanted to test your hearts and personality. And uh, all of you passed, but there's only one person in this room that got a 100%. Justin Gleason, would you please stand? I liked your answer the best. He liked the why not, meaning there's no reasoning against it. There's no meaning against it. And I think a lot of us are like that right now in this world. The world is pressing upon you. Why? Why are you trying to make a move to God? Why are you trying so hard to make it to heaven? 
Why not have a little bit of fun? You won't die. God didn't really say that. Why? And all we're saying is, God's been so good to me, why not? (laughs) That's how you're going to pass the test in heaven. Why not follow him? He gave it all for me. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Why not be baptized today? Why not be filled with the Spirit today? Why not turn from your sins today? Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Let's all stand in God's house today. I grew up in church and always went to junior camps, youth camps. And I remember making a very good friend when I was about nine or ten years old at junior camp. When it came time for us to be up there with the big kids to go into the teen camp, my buddy disappeared. We'll just call him Jim. I was 12, didn't see Jim. Next year when I was 13, didn't see Jim. 14, the next year at camp, didn't see Jim. Until I was about 17 or 18, Jim come walking in there. And I'm like, Jim, great to see you, man. Where have you been? He said, well, I've, you know, been other places. And I'm like, well, man, good to see you. And I remember watching him during service. Everybody else was praising the Lord. Enjoying God's presence at youth camp, but Jim just kind of stood there with his hands in the back of the robe, just looking down. Finally, the altar call came, and I saw Jim come up, and he came up and kind of raised his hands like this while everybody else was getting blessed. Jim was there having a hard time breaking through. I was so concerned for my friend, and I went up to him, and I put my arm around him, and I said, bro, what happened to you? What's wrong? He said, I'll tell you what's wrong is I can't feel God anymore. I miss feeling him, and I can't feel him anymore. And at that moment, the word of wisdom came upon me, and I said, you want to know why you can't feel him anymore? It's because of your sin. You've walked away from righteousness in all our teen years while we were here living right and coming to camp. You walked out in the world, and you're trying to come back to God, and that sin has brought guilt upon you, and that sin has brought shame upon you things that the Lord never wanted you to feel, but Satan has deceived you. And if you will just repent of your sins right here in this moment, you're going to feel God again. And I watched Jim raise his hands in that youth camp, and he just said, Lord, I'm so sorry. Father, forgive me. And I watched tears gush out of his eyes. He was refilled with the Holy Ghost. He's married with kids and a licensed minister. Amen. In the church of the living God today. You may not be in physical prison, but somebody has brought you out of prison here today at the church. And the Lord wants to set you free. As it were, you may feel like a thief on the cross right now. You feel like your life is over and it's ending. I've come to tell you the Lord's right next to you. And if you will fear him and if you will trust him, he wants to set you on the path to paradise. When John spoke, here's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The Life Church of Kansas City here on Easter Sunday, 2023, that's the sins of the world. Your sin was put upon him that day. When Caiaphas yelled and screamed in anger about Jesus saying, it's imperative for only one man to die and the whole nation should perish. 
and they laid hands on him. Your sin fell upon Jesus that day. His death wasn't senseless. It wasn't meaningless, but there was a reason. And it was for you and I today. I wonder if there's anybody here right now, you're ready to walk away from this world and get on the pathway to heaven. You are tired of your sins. You are tired of the mess that sin is causing you. This altar call is for you today. And if you will just take a step of faith, don't worry about what anybody thinks. Amen. You're in a safe judgment-free zone, and we want to pray for you. I wonder if there's anybody that's struggling here today. I wouldn't leave here, amen, until you at least gave God a try. If there's anybody here right now that feels that way, come on up to the altar of the living God right now. I wonder if there's anybody here right now, amen, that just feels guilt and shame on your life right now, and you're ready to break it off. There's some of you, amen, that don't feel like you can quit the habits, that you feel like you can't get better. I've come to tell you today, the Lord will help you with the things that you don't like about yourself. He gave his life for it. They put nails in his hands for it. They put nails in his feet for it. Come on, wouldn't you be free of your sin and shame? Wouldn't you be free of your guilt? Hallelujah. He died for a good reason, and that is you. Hallelujah. He died under a darkened sky for you. He suffered ridicule for you. All the bad things you ever did, he paid the penalty for it so you wouldn't have to be crucified. He went to hell for you so you wouldn't have to go to hell. And he's in heaven for you so one day you could go to heaven. Come on, I wonder if anybody, hey man, wants to repent today. Maybe if you have no sin in your life. Amen. You just want to repent all over again because just how refreshing it feels. How holy it feels. Hallelujah. Come on. Amen. People are breaking through right now. I see it right now. There are some people, amen, that have been dealing with shame for years. God is about to give you a new identity. You're about to get a new identity today, a new feeling about yourself and a new feeling about your life. That's right. Come up here, all alcoholics. Come up here, all substance abusers. Hallelujah. Try it out right now. If your marriage is struggling, come up here right now. The Lord will help you with it. The Lord will give you peace through it. Hallelujah. Amen. Anybody estranged from a son or a daughter, come up here. The Lord will help you. Amen. With peace. The Lord will help you. Amen. If you've got sickness in your body, come up here and be healed. If you've got darkness in your mind, in your life, you've got self-harmful thoughts, come up here and the Lord will take them out of your mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He had you in mind on that cross. He had your sin in mind. He wanted to take it from you. Hallelujah. Be free. Be liberated today. Hallelujah. In Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.